Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. I'm entitled my message today. Uh, I was thinking, what's the title about walking with God, being God's house, being a Christian? And I just thought the thing I want to say to you today is, don't let go. So the title of my message is, don't let go. Because you'll have plenty of opportunities to let go of God, let go of God's house, let go. And don't be surprised, the enemy, if you're, if you're not yet a Christian, if you're a new Christian, I'm telling you now, the devil's working to get you out of church. Because all the things that I'm now walking in, uh, coming up to 40 years of being a Christian next year, not from a Christian background, Devil doesn't want you to have what I'm now experiencing, which is a whole lot of blessing, goodness, sweetness, provision, favor, miracles, love. God doesn't want you, the devil doesn't want you to have that. He wants you away from God. So, but I want to encourage you, don't let go. I learned as a Christian in those early days not to let go of God. Then I learned, don't let go of his house. And then I learned there's certain people God was going to bring into my life also don't let go of them. My best friend who I took to church, he was 17, uh, and he was a great friend then, but he became my best friend. We've been friends now for 45 years, and he wasn't a Christian. His parents were both alcoholics. Now he's leading a great church in America, thousands of people doing incredible things. Now listen... Your calling and my calling are going to be different, and they're unique. it's unique to you. But I want to encourage you, it's amazing when you start to live for God, what God starts to do for you. And so Steve and I are now talking, occasionally on the phone, and I've been saved, I'm mean, 58 this birthday, Steve and I will say to each other, can you believe where we've ended up? That's what we say to each other, 45 years old, can you believe? He planned himself in the house of the Lord as I did, and now we didn't let go of God. We didn't let go of his house, and now we have new lives. And now our children are the recipients of us being the first generation who began to follow and walk with God. Which <laughs> Generational alcoholism stopped, poverty stopped. All these things that had us in a snare have all broken off because somebody's got to break the chain. Some mum, dad friend, grandparents got to say, enough's enough. You're going to serve the Lord and let God begin to heal your family. Let me just read to you from the book of Ruth. In the book of Ruth, there's such a powerful story. Ruth is an incredible woman of God in God's word, like a lot of incredible uh, women of God we have at Global Heart Church. We've got, who knows we've got some incredible women of God at Global Heart Church? Come on, who knows that? I know it. Come on, all the... Incredible, amazing women of God here. But in this passage uh, and in this book, the book of Ruth, there's a story running through here that is so powerful where once again, once again, God wants to speak spiritual truth to you. Whenever you read God's Word, everybody, you need to realize it's just not giving you a story or giving you a historical story. We like history. We need history. But the purpose of God's Word was never to be a history book. 
When you hear the Word of God, it's never to be a history book. It's to bring revelation and life and understanding to you today here in Perth, Western Australia in November 2020 so that you might be alive in God's plan and purpose. So in Ruth chapter 1, let me just, it starts out saying, Now it came to pass in the days when judges ruled. There was a famine in the land, difficult days. A certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, the name of his wife was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Marlon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to the country of Moab and they remained there. Listen to this. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Oprah. She became a TV star. The name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. Listen, then Marlon and Chilion also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. Oh my gosh, this is the opening of a, a, powerful, a powerful life, right? Where uh, Naomi has lost her husband. Now she's lost both of her sons as well. Opening chapter. Don't be put off everybody when your life has a terrible start. My life had a terrible start. Horrendous things happening. Horrendous abusive childhood. Horrendous difficulties. The start was terrible, but I want to encourage you that God can take a terrible start, a difficult start, a painful start, and turn it around. Turn it around and cause the end of your life to be powerful. Now, in the middle of this, she's lost her husband. She's lost her sons. And in that day, by the way, if you lost your husband, you lost your sons, you'd lost your source of provision. In that day, in that time, and in that culture, by the way, back then, if you weren't married and had a family, you were nothing. You were married and didn't have a family, you were nothing. And once again, we need to thank God for the Bible and for Christianity and for Jesus, because when Christianity came to earth, everything Jesus did was radical. Number one, he started to say, I stand with the orphan and the widow, unheard of. So all the people say, oh, I don't believe in Christianity. Listen, you got no clue. <laughs> we love you, but no clue. Because until Jesus came and was so radical, he came and said for the first time, everybody's looking after each other. The, the rich gave to the rich. They never gave to the poor. There was no giving to poor people until Jesus came. So Jesus comes and says, I stand with the broken. I stand with the poor. I stand with the widow. The woman on her own lost her husband, whatever. The orphan, I stand with them. It was radical. And then what else is radical is Paul begins, begins to speak, and he says, if you want to be married, be married. You're going to have a few challenges, a couple of hundred problems, trying to sort your husband out, but you'll get there. But he's saying marriage is wonderful. It's from God. God designed it. By the way, in our world now, how funny that I'm alive in the time where the very thing God defined, God defined marriage. Genesis decided who could be partake of it. He defined marriage. I don't care what people come up with in our culture. You cannot redefine something that you never defined. You cannot redefine anything you never defined. God didn't call you in for advice. Some people born today think God should have waited till they were born to come in and give God advice. God wasn't asking for anybody's advice. He defined marriage for great purpose, great plan, and now they're trying to re redefine everything. Have you noticed that? So we need to realize that when Paul stepped into time, he said, if you're single, you're not half a person looking for a half, you're a whole. 
And he said, you can be an amazing, wonderful, fully fulfilled single person in the family of God. Paul lifted up singleness. He didn't say, oh, you're not, you're not married. Oh, put you down. He lifted up singleness. And he also said marriage as well. He said they're equal. Wherever you find yourself, just be there. If you're married, be married. If you're single, be single. Maybe you're going to be married down the track. But don't assume that that's got anything to do with your value or worth. It has nothing to do with that. You're valuable and worthwhile, single or married. So in this day, it was terrible. And so Naomi says to her daughter-in-law's, uh, Oprah, you need to go and do your TV show, which is, no, Orpah. <laughs> um, and Ruth, you need to leave me. Go and get a husband. You cannot be without a husband. This is terrible. There's shame, everything. The culture was huge. And Ruth, this incredible woman of God, says to her mother-in-law, entreat me. Don't ask me to leave you or turn back from following after you. She says to her mother-in-law, who's lost her sons, lost her husband, wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people, she says to her mother-in-law, shall be my people, and your God is my God. Where you die, I'll die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything, but death parts you and me. Now when she saw, this is Naomi, when Naomi saw, that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they came to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? Come back. But she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full. What does that mean? I went out with a husband, two sons. And the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. Listen, everybody, right there, Ruth now has heard the declaration of her mother-in-law. And she is now, oh my gosh, in the most challenging moment of her life. She's declared to her mother-in-law who's lost her husband. And she's lost her husband as well. She's declared, I'm not leaving you. And then she's saying, don't call me even that name anymore. Because the Lord's afflicted me, you need to call me Mara bitter because that's what life has brought me and Ruth entered into the fight of faith do you know everybody in this room you need to regularly enter into a fight of faith sometimes if you if you see me on a beach path you're walking down the beach path sometimes I'm like I think few people are thinking he said he needs a coffee or something but sometimes I'm just going to pray and I got to have a bit of a you know it, the internal fight is coming out in the physical Ruth is now in a fight of faith. She's having to say in the middle of losing her husband, she's got a bitter mother-in-law who's trying to get rid of her. And she's now having to say, God, I'm going to serve you anyway, and I'm going to stay with her. Come on, I'm going to serve you anyway, and I'm going to stay with her. She's having to say, Lord, I'm going to praise you, God, in the good times and the bad. Everybody, if you want to mature in life, but let alone as a Christian, it's when you decide, but most importantly as a Christian, I'm going to praise God in the good times and in the bad times. And sometimes it's bad in our perspective, but in God's perspective, it's just hard. So I want to encourage you. She's in the fight of faith. She's going to have to praise God in the good time and now in the bad time. Listen, sometimes we've got to praise God when it's through injustice, through storms, through job loss. And by the way, anybody who's going to serve the Lord with any kind of leadership 
uh, that God's going to use. I went through injustice my entire childhood. But guess what? As a Christian who is on the way to God's plan for my life, God allowed me to also suffer injustice in the ministry. Because you cannot be used by God unless you've been tested by injustice. Some of us don't like the thought of that. We don't, I don't enjoy it. But it's because God's trying to build your character so that when you get out here and He's beginning to lift you up and use you, you don't collapse overnight. Sometimes our gifting will take us some, somewhere in life that our character cannot hold us. So through the storm, through the job loss, through aggravation, disappointments, some of you right now might be in a disappointment. I want to encourage every job you're in, it's a fight of faith. And you need to get some fight in you. Come on, you need to get some fight in you. Too many people sit down and they go quiet and they go, oh, I just, you know, I'll go, in, go into one. No, 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 get up. <laughs> Lift your voice. Begin to praise God and begin to declare what God has said. So Ruth right now, she's in a full-on fight of faith. You know, many of us think the moment we get a challenge or a difficulty, oh, I need a new girlfriend. That must be the problem. New girlfriend needed, new boyfriend needed, new wife needed. <laughs> swap her, swap him, new one in. No, you got to grit your teeth. Come on, we need some Christians at Global Heart Church who got some grit. Come on, we need some West Aussies got some grit. You got to get some grit. And you got to say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into the fight of faith and begin to declare, I'm blessed. Every morning I walk on my, when I'm doing my beach walk, on my walk in the park, praying, I'm praying over you, Global Heart Church. Lord, bless our church. Every single person, every couple, every family, bless them. I'm blessing and praying over you, I would say, nearly every day of the year. But you need to join in the fight of faith for your own life, for your own calling, and begin to get a little bit, oh, i got to get into, you know. Some of us, before we were Christians, we had some fight. And we became a Christian, we're, oh, now, now I'm just, listen. <laughs> if you had fight before you became a Christian, please don't lose it when you become a Christian. We need you to bring it. Bring it for your children. Bring it for your grandchildren in Jesus' name. You know, some of us go through difficulty and we just, rather than get into a fight, we just get into, I'm just going to lie on the couch and eat waves. Waves are good, eh? Good packet of waves on the couch. <laughs> yeah, don't share them. Anyway, yeah, don't share. Just get your own big packet. Anyway. I see some people, and you can tell they're in a mood. They're walking around lakeside, and you can see they're in a mood. And I look at them, and I'm like, you got your pajamas on. <laughs> you can see people in lakeside from time to time, and I can tell that's your pajamas. <laughs> You're not fooling me. People aren't fighting. They're just losing it. Now they're in lakeside in their pajamas. Listen, Christians, <laughs> get out of your pajamas. Get off your couch. Get out of your bed and say, right, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord in Jesus' name. You know, the most important thing that we need to uh, glean from this passage, but also it's so important for life and following the Lord, is that we need to understand right here, Ruth is understanding the power of attaching to the person God has put in front of her. God has put... Uh, Ruth in a relationship with Naomi. And though Naomi's a bitter old woman, Ruth knows God has put me here and I'm going to walk, walk it out with you. I want to tell you and teach everybody for a minute, 
in our culture right now, there's a missing ingredient that's causing everybody to be not well. And around the world, they reckon that uh, depression is off the Richter scale. Um, you remember when Justin came from Rwanda? Justin had, came to me from Rwanda, and he lived with Sue and I, and he's asking me, what is it, this thing that people have in Australia called depression? And I had to spend 15 minutes trying to explain to a Rwandan kid whose who's parents survived the genocide what depression is, because he didn't understand it. So when I explained it, he still didn't understand it. <laughs> and he's like, what? So I'm trying to explain depression. And I said, do you understand? And he goes, oh, I do now. And then I said, do you have anybody you know in Rwanda with depression? He said, no. And I said, you don't know anybody with depression? He goes, no. And I said, then you must have somebody. And he said, dad, in Rwanda, we share everything. Every problem, we share with our family, 10 people. Every bill, we share with 10 people. Every challenge, we share with everybody. He said, we share everything. I never carry anything alone. So, <laughs> so God's plan for all of us to be healthy is right attachments. Everybody, did you know that for every living thing has an attachment? The plant and the tree you look at, it has attachment. It's called roots that go into the soil. They are attached to the soil, to the earth. Fish cannot survive out of the water. Have you noticed that? They've got to be in the water. They are attached to water for fish to survive. Every baby is a separate human being inside another human being, just for everybody to get that. But the mother is feeding the baby because there's a cord that's attaching the other human being to this human being. There's an attachment. Without the feeding of the baby, the baby can't survive. God is showing us in nature, true for nature, true for the spirit realm, attachment is the key to health. Attachment is the key to life. So now around the world, we've got everybody doing what we think is right. Isaiah 53 said it so well. It said in Isaiah 53, we like sheep, each one of us has gone our own way. So God had planned that families would stick together, that uh, they'd stay together in life. Sue and I, uh, first generation of people who are staying together, married, one marriage, it's incredible, grace of God, not us, not us people. Sue and I are two imperfect kids who got together and had to rely on God's grace every day. But we now understand God's planned attachment. So the world now is so sick because everybody's teaching, do your thing, be independent. And the highest goal that we have now is if I feel it, it's good. That's what two-year-olds live by. I want my lolly and I want it now. That is the culture of the Western world that you now live in. I want whatever I want when I want it, when I feel like it. Listen, people, if you live by feelings, you're stuffed. You've had it. You can't live by feelings. Feelings come to me all the time. Right now while I'm preaching to you, I actually don't want to be here. I want to be on the couch eating pizza, watching a movie. <laughs> it's my birthday. <laughs> but I learned long ago to not listen to that feeling and so here I am in church. <laughs> but now they're telling you, you know, if she doesn't move, turn you on, move you, go to this one, move around if he's not doing it for you. Okay, so what's happened is, and the world and professors in the universities think, oh, it's all great, do whatever you feel, right? But here's what's happened. God planned for you when you got married. Here's what God planned. You got married. You had a family. This is for the your sake, the children's sake, everybody to be secure at. 
You're like that, and it's hard to get you apart. Emotionally, you are attached. It's stuck. All right? So this is why everybody's sick now, because no one's attached. Everybody's now doing their thing. And so emotionally around the globe, here's what we're all like. I read a magazine said I should get a new girl. Read a magazine said I should get a new husband. Read a magazine said I should, he's not doing it for me. Read a magazine. You can, okay, whatever, this is your life now. And then you look at your children and you wonder, what's wrong with my kids? What's wrong with them? Why can't they get out of bed? Why can't they get a job? Because they're lost. And they go to university and their professors teach them it's all wonderful. But they're all depressed and needing medication and need to drink and everything else. They can't stick. There's no attachment. Because God said, man shall leave his, wife, uh, leave his mother and father, cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Then they will be secure, not mentally unwell. They will be secure. They will be perfect. They'll fight a lot. They'll yell. They'll whatever they do. <laughs> Soon I've never done that. We're just like angels. <laughs> Sorry, baby, if you're watching this online. <laughs> Let me just rephrase it. Sue was an angel. <laughs> she was an angel. But look, you're stuck together. God is the glue. So Sue and I, who were this, we were both totally dysfunctional, mentally not well. When we followed God's plan, this is us, our three boys, and now, you got the picture of Jolie and Nathan Kez? You got a picture of Joel? This is now my son, his beautiful wife, and my grandson are now born into attachment. And Nathan, who I could have sent insane from my childhood, really, I'm not joking, I could have destroyed him and the boys because of the issues in my life. Now they've been attached. Now my, he's met Carrie, the most beautiful girl for him. And my beautiful daughter-in-law, and now I've got little Jolie there who's growing up in a family who's like that. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. So, God wants us, and Ruth is showing it, he wants us to attach to him. Everybody worships something. I love that. Who is it? David Foster Wallace, New York author, who said... Don't ever believe in atheists. They're not telling the truth. Everybody worships something. It's just the God of their choosing. But there is one real God. So everybody, God, you're designed to attach to God, worship God. You're designed to be in God's family. Hello, here we are. So, by the way, parents, Sue and I taught the boys. We never said, um, now, at home is our family. But all the people at church, we go and visit at church with those people. But they're not really, you know, they're just, they're other people. But this is our family. No, we taught the kids, you're our family. We said, everybody here is our family. So the boys came to church from when they were little like this, attaching to you and God's house. So you were not like something they attended occasionally if they weren't invited to Aunty Betty's for dinner. They came to church because they had a love obligation to you and to God's house. That attachment has seen the three of them go on and serve the Lord now in their own lives and in their own calling that God has for them. So we obviously have, when I go home, I've got my family coming home. My boys will be there. Their wives will be there. Grandson will be there. Sue's sister will be there. Family will be there. But we know you're our family. 
because that's what the Bible teaches. By the way, everybody, if you're like Sue and I and you had bad attachment as childhood, guess what? God has made a way for you. He says, now I've set you in the family of God. The house of God start to attach in right relationships. Right relationships. By the way, please don't get saved and then come into God's house and then find somebody because you're just looking for a person and then take them out the door of God's house. You've interrupted that person's God-given destiny. Don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. Girls, if a guy tries to date you, he needs to be mentioning the call of God on your life, how valuable you are to Jesus and the plan. Not, hey, I'm looking for a chick and you look like the one and you're blessed because I'm asking you for coffee. You need to say to him, your girl is outside of this place. She's somewhere else. So everybody, we're meant to attach. And by the way, if you're new to church, in case you're wondering, why is this guy excited about church? Why is church important? Why is it important to attach to church? I wrote this a little while ago. I just sat at my office and just wrote it real quick, and I've added a couple of things on. But listen to this, what church is about, in case you're wondering, what is it about? Why it's so powerful? The church. It's where grace is poured out. What's that unmerited favor? It's where shackles are broken off. God is worshipped. Hope is experienced. Truth is uncovered. God's word is taught and upheld. Eternal life is received. Support is experienced. Destiny connections made. Forgiveness abounds. Strangers become family. Victims become victors. Gifts and talents are discovered. Destinies are declared. Destinies are unleashed. Bodies are healed. The humbled are raised high. The proud are laid low. Divine connections are made. Families are created. Our emotions are brought to life. Our lives are refreshed. People are given the opportunity to start again. Where thinking begins to be healed. Lives launched. Lives relaunched. <laughs> Encouragement is released. Keep me up. Spiritual insights are gained. People of all the nations become part of his eternal nation, heaven. Hearts and lives are strengthened. Life memories are made. And generations are forever blessed and changed. Amen. That's the church. Everyone, no one knows how the book of your life will end. No one knows. You don't even know how the book of your life will end. You don't even know what the next chapter will be. So it's very dangerous to judge your future by what life has dealt you already. Because you may be limiting what God wants to do. I could not judge my future by my childhood. They are totally in different universes. Everybody, don't judge what your life may be in the next chapter, let alone at the end. And by the way, right now, if you're in a terrible difficulty, terrible time in your life, the Bible says Jesus is the rock. And I saw a beautiful picture this week of a cleft in a rock, you know, like a, a long kind of little, like a hole in the rock, if you like, but it was like a, uh, like a line of rock that was open, and there was a bird in the middle of the storm in the cleft of the rock. Did anybody see that photo? It came up on something. But that is a reminder, when you can't do it, climb into the cleft of the rock. Get into the secret place in Jesus and hide in Him, the rock, and say, Lord, I can't do it today. Father, could you just go ahead and work on that? Go ahead and do that. Sometimes I've learned, everybody, all you can do is one day at a time. Do not be thinking beyond the next day. If you're in a difficult time, get into the, the left of the rock. Jesus, I'm in here. Show me what to do in the next day. And in actual fact, Sue and I, I remember, I don't know what to do in the next hour, Lord. Show me what to do. And then the Lord would say to me, do this. I'd feel, do this. Sometimes God will take you one hour at a time if that's all you can deal with and face, but he'll help you and you will get through Listen, what, no matter what age you are, you haven't seen it all. No matter what age you are, you haven't seen it all. You haven't seen what, all that's possible in God. doesn't matter your age. It matters who He is. 
By the way, if your situation is continually not changing, you're like, oh, this just never changes. Then it never changes. It never changes. Here's what I discovered when I kept saying to God, why is it not changing? God, I'm going crazy. God said, because I'm trying to change you through the situation. What? I'm like, Lord, it needs to change. God said, no, no, I'm trying to change you through the situation. You know, if I tell you some of the stories that I had in my life and some that Sue and I have had, my goodness, and sometimes the situation changed and we saw an incredible miracle, no doubt about it. Other times it did not change. And I came to the realization, God was trying to change me. That's your situation right now, everybody. Ask God, Lord, what are you trying to do? I find if you ask God a question, he's pretty quick to answer. Lord, what are you trying to do? Show me in the word. Holy Spirit, speak to me in my prayer time. God begins to speak to you. And then say, okay, Lord, if you're trying to change me, I I cannot change. Maybe in this area, I can't change. I say, God, give me your grace to change. Give me your grace to love. Give me your grace to forgive. Give me your grace to care. Give me your grace to get up and go forward. And you know what God does? He says, I will. Yeah, I will. Everybody, out of everybody's mess in this generation, due to our lack of attachment, the co- hang on, so this is us attached. Oh, this is our generation we live in. Get ready for the generations to get crazier until God is in his rightful place. So people are now coming up with 150 genders. They're going to come up with this. They'll come up with that. You will come up with everything when you're unattached because you're lost. Your life is not attached. So anything that comes along, oh, that's probably me. Guess what I discovered in God? Revelation for everybody who's a new Christian, not yet a Christian. Some of you even have been Christian for a while. Your your identity is not to be perceived. I don't spend my life trying to go, who am I? I need about uh, six months away to go, who am I? And talk to myself. Our culture is in the most massive issues because they're counseling themselves. The Bible talks about that. The blind leads the blind. They'll all fall in the ditch. That's what the Bible says. Blind leads the blind. You counseling you. Here's the best thing I did as a new Christian. I told myself, Jared, shut up. Stop talking. I'd be in church. Shut up. Because I'd hear the pastor talk, and then I'd have to say something about what he said. No, I think this. In church. So you'd see me at the back of church. I got the revelation. Shut up. Stop talking. I don't mind if you do that right now. I don't mind. But I discovered too, new truth is always negatively received by humans. Anything new where I was like, nah. New truth, no. What that just means is it's not part of your experience. You have no insight on that yet. There's no level of insight operating, that's all, no experience. But when I start to shut up and say, shut up, begin to listen, put some things on the shelf, God showed me later, and I went, oh, wow, nearly missed that. Nearly put it in the bin when I was meant to put it on the shelf. But I began to realize, hang on, my identity is not something to perceive. My identity is something to receive. God says, I made you a man. I made you, I brought you in this country. I birthed you here. My call is on your life. I gave you these gifts. God is like, you need to receive the fact this is who I say and created you to be. I'm not on medication. 
Some of you may diff beg to differ. <laughs> I'm not taking anything. I'm free because I'm not trying to perceive who I am. I've received who I am from the Lord. <laughs> Naomi sees herself as bitter. She's told the women, don't even call me Naomi anymore. Just call me Mara. When you're having a dinner party, say Mara's coming. Oh, bitterness is coming over. Oh, bitterness is coming for a quiche. Get the quiche on. She's about to hit the door. She's like, don't even call me that name. Well, good news. God's got a plan for her and for you. Exodus 15, God's people are in bitterness. And it says in verse 22 of that chapter, Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea. They moved out to the desert of Shur. They traveled for three days, not finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Mara, hello, which meant the water is too bitter to drink. So they called the place Mara, which means bitter. Listen to this. Then the people were complained. Then they turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help. There's a clue. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. <laughs> Great, Lord. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. There is a piece of wood. Fantastic, Lord. We need water we can drink. And God says to, to Moses and he picks up the wood and he throws it in the water. Listen to this. And this made the water good to drink. Everybody, this is a metaphor for what Jesus has done through his cross in the New Testament. He throws the wood in. They can't drink the water. It's bitter. And suddenly the water is healed and it's alive and fresh. Listen, Jesus hung on wood on a cross for you. When he places his cross in your heart and life, the bitterness of your experience, the bitterness of your heart begins to come alive with the life-giving waters of God's kingdom. You're going to come alive. Bitterness begins to leave bit by bit. Come on, where's all the bitter people? Used to be like, look like thunder. And now you look like an angel. Well, not quite, but similar. What's happening? Sweetness is coming. Sweetness is coming. So Ruth stays with Naomi. Naomi knows the ropes of life, but she doesn't understand her situation. And the Bible tells us that Ruth, she's realizing there's no food. I got my mother-in-law. I said, I'm going to die with. If I die, I'm going to die. But she's like, I got to do something in the middle of this situation to feed my mother-in-law, feed myself. There's no man in our life. There's no provider. There's no protector. There's nobody. And she says, I, in verse 2 of Ruth 2, let me go to the fields, pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I may find favor. She's hoping that someone might be kind to her. So, so basically she's following the harvesters, those who are, you know, they haven't got a machine. They're harvesting the crop, taking it all. And then Ruth's coming along with her bucket or whatever she's got, and she's picking up the leftovers. She's picking up the leftovers, putting it in her container for her and her mother-in-law to make some kind of meal. So she's not even part of the harvesters. They've gone through taking all the good stuff. She's just getting leftovers. Listen, everybody, you might be picking up leftovers right now. If you're doing it for God, God sees it. God's on the, on the God's, God's gonna take it. So she's picking up the leftovers and then Boaz, man who's the overseer of the field he owns the field he's he's a he's a he's a landowner he's like who is this girl who is this what's this young girl doing 
pretty young girl going along, picking up leftovers for her and her mother-in-law. Who is, who is she? Who she belong to, he says. Everybody, it's amazing how you get attention when you begin to pick up the leftovers of life. And by the way, if you are plowing in God's house in the field of the church, sometimes God calls us to do the little jobs. You're going to be used by God greatly. He must increase, you must decrease. So serving, God will, you cannot, everybody listen to me, you cannot get into the call of God without serving, starting in God's house. 39 years, different continents, been on the national executive of this movement, Australia's largest Christian movement, Australian Christian Church. I've been the national executive, and I'm telling you now, you cannot get into your destiny until you get up and start to do something in God's house. You cannot. It doesn't happen. And I'm telling you now, at 58, so when I'm 88, you don't come to me and say, Pastor Jared, I never got into my destiny. I'm going to say, what the heck? Get the message, November 8, 2020. It was there for all to hear. You cannot get into destiny. Sue and I began to pick up leftovers. We were children from abuse and neglect. We're picking up leftovers. We're serving in God's house and God, Boaz, sees us. God, Boaz, sees us. Look at Jared and Sue picking up the leftovers. Look at Pastor Spencer. He's a crack addict. Was a crack addict. Just got to get my wording right. Wording right. That's, that's more prone to happen at 58. Anyway, was great. picked up leftovers, serving in God's house, moved into destiny. Liam Clark, just naughty, naughty, naughty. In the youth ministry. That photo, dreadlocks down to here, got two guns in that photo. We should just destroy that photo. It's a symbol of evil. I don't know. And look at Liam. Start serving God's house, loving God's people. Going to lo- loving bitter people. Sometimes you got to love the bitter people. Sometimes you prove your ministry by who you love when they're giving nothing back to you. Guess what? If you're going to serve the Lord, you meet a lot of people who are bitter, issues. Guess what? Love them anyway. Love them anyway. Luke 9, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. God says, if you start out serving, don't take your hand off the plow. My grandson Joel is not in his destiny yet. So he doesn't need me now at 58, 33 years as a pastor, go to Sue. You know what? I think I'm done with this. Time to lie on the couch and eat waves. <laughs> he needs me to stay the course. He needs Sue and I to stay the course, point our sword forward, not be stabbing people in the kingdom of God, but fighting against the enemy so that our children and our grandchildren, and for me, my grandchildren, don't just attend church. That is not the goal. That is 101 for Christians. Go to church. 101. It's that they get into their destiny. I'm going to be an old man one day happy if they're doing what they are designed to do. They're going to church. I'm just like, I'm going to be like in the bed, 88. Well, 101. So you should. Slap. (laughs) But did you get into your destiny? Yes. Yes. Did you do what God designed you to do? Yes. Mums and dads, change your thinking. Also, by the way, in the same way Ruth, everybody, attached to her mother-in-law, can I encourage you? There's some people you do not be attached to. If you've never read the Boundaries series, you need to get it. There are so many people who are doing life with people who God says that person's got nothing to do with your future. Nothing to do with your future. 
There's people I've had to bless them with some best wishes, and I had to go, i got to move out of here because they were not going where God wanted to take me, which was into health, into newness of life, into God's plan. Some of us have got everybody in our life. We're flattering everybody. They're flattering you. Some of you are like, because people say, oh, my gosh, you're amazing. You're like, oh, you're my best friend. Well, you know, <laughs> you know that ain't ever going to work for me. Because a lot of times people are flattering us because they want something from you. I need to manipulate you. So you're amazing. You're incredible. You're unbelievable. And a lot of you are like, oh, oh I was waiting to hear that. Thank you. Oh, you think I'm wonderful, amazing. Would you like to move in with me? Great. We've been together now four minutes. That could be awesome. What do humans do? We need to say, hey, I got to be careful now. I got to call a God. Am I meant to be walking with you? You're not my wife. I'm not walking with you. <laughs> if you hang on, are you going to, are you following God? Okay, you want to put God first? Great, let's go. Other people, you're just hanging out with everybody. They're bitter. God never told you to be with that, Naomi. They're bitter. They're away. They don't care about anything. They hurt people. And you're just walking along like Huckleberry Finn, thinking it ain't affecting you. And guess what? That is getting all over you. I love people who are smart and hard. Smart and hard is good. What does smart mean? Smart biblically. Smart spiritually. They're like, hang on a minute. What's going on here? So it's going to affect me moving forward in my life. Then I need to be careful. And sometimes graciously, graciously withdraw. Other times God says, that person's in your life for a purpose. Love them even though they're full of bitter, but walk forward because you may be part of their healing process. Two totally different things. I hope you got the difference. Okay. Naomi's purpose and fulfillment. Listen, the bitter mother-in-law was restored through a God-ordained relationship she tried to get rid of. Naomi tried to get rid of Ruth. Like, get lost, go get a husband. <laughs> She's like, now being restored, her purpose and fulfillment through Ruth. Listen, it's dangerous, everybody, to send God-ordained people away from your life when He's trying to use them to accomplish His purpose in you. Some of us, the very people that God is sending to us, because we wouldn't choose them, we didn't vote for them, they don't like what you like, we're like, well, it can't be you. And God goes, no, that's them. And I'm sending them, somebody who's down the track in God, grown further in God, and we're dissing them when they're the Ruth to your life to get you into your purpose. Here's what happened. Boaz ends up marrying Ruth. It's the love story of all love stories. She ends up not picking up leftovers. She ends up owning the whole land, owning it. And so now she's with him. And guess what? She has a baby, Naomi, who's lost her children. She's now alone. Ruth brings her baby to Naomi, her bitter mother-in-law, and says, even though I'm married to him and his family, I'm giving you my baby. You're going to be the nursemaid, the carer of the child. And Naomi begins to rejoice and begins to celebrate that at what was the look like going to be the end of her life, terrible, alone, Ruth has now laid the promise in her arms. Naomi doesn't know the baby that's been laid in her arms. Listen, everybody. His name is Obed. He's the father of Jesse, who was the father of David, who became the greatest king in Israel's history. Can somebody say amen? Don't start describing the end of your life. One chapter changed from God. I had it 
in February 1981, God changed. The chapters were terrible, child abuse, worse things. And then God steps in. I said, God, help if you're real. God steps in, chapter change, chapter change, chapter change, chapter change, chapter change. The last chapter in the story of my life, it's going to be good. You want to order the book. Because what God is going to do with me, what God is going to do with you, He ain't finished yet, and it's a good end in Jesus' name. Come on, it's a good end in Jesus' name. Come on, it's a great end in Jesus' name. Somebody needs to attach to God today. Then all your attachments with people will begin to be right and healthy in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.